Amen. Let's thank our worship team for leading us into the presence of God this morning. Even when they're walking off while you're thanking them, still good to thank them. Now we love you. If you want to go ahead and stand with me, Joshua chapter 4 is where we're jumping in at today. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. Stand for the reading of the Word of God. The inescapable, the infallible, without error, holy Word of God. I'm thankful for His Word, which transcends time, transcends generation, transcends politics. Amen? His Word is faithful. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. Father, thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you reveal yourself through your word. And I just pray that today as we dive into your word, you would reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe, one man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. Where were they to take the stones from? Out of the midst, or the middle of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you. So they took them from one place to the next place. And lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed. A man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And take up each of you a stone from his, upon his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in a time that is to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. You may be seated. To all of our new guests, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love to meet with you following the service out at the New Here tent. Um, we're grateful to have you with us. We actually have a little gift that we love to bless you with uh, for joining us in worship for those that it's your first time here. Um, this past week, we celebrated 45 years of ministry uh, for Pastors Gary and Kim Wiggins here at Evangel. And we are blessed with an incredible legacy here at Evangel. Amen. Amen. Um, and as we continue to celebrate, we're going to stay in this vein of legacy about how we can all create, live, and leave legacy. Creating legacy can be a very intimidating thing. We can think that there's no way that I, a seemingly insignificant person, can create something significant, right? We can doubt ourselves, but I would differ with that because I believe that we can all leave an incredible and a significant legacy, amen? 
I believe we all can. I, I truly, I just don't say that. I believe that we can all leave a godly and a significant legacy. But to do so, we've got to start. And where should we start? We should start with the end in mind. What would you want your legacy to look like? What would you want your legacy to look like? If you get to the very, or not if you get, but when you get to the very end of life, what, what's important? What's important at the very end of life? What does the end game look like for you? Let me, let me ask it to you this way. I asked it to the staff this past week. What is the most comforting thought you could take to your grave? When you're laying there on your deathbed, what is the most comforting thought, the most reassuring thought that you have that you can take into the presence of Almighty God? What brings your soul peace? Is it a grudge that you've promised to carry to your grave or unforgiveness or or bitterness? Is it assets or finances and inheritance for your children that is your main goal in life and while leaving an inheritance is not just important it's a biblical um, position life is more than the dollars we bequeath amen here's why most inheritances are spent within one year most inheritances are spent within one year whether it's on vacation whether it's on a new car or a new house, starting a business, paying off a debt, everything that one generation works so hard for, the next spends in a year. It's a little humbling, right? And not only that, but one third of Americans are said to squander their inheritance. So life is definitely more than the dollars that we bequeath. The believer upon departure, the believer is far more concerned with the state of their loved ones than the estate left for their loved ones. I'm going to say that again. The believer upon their departure is far, should be far more concerned with what the state of their loved ones is than the estate that is left for their loved ones. Spiritual legacy is everything. So what does the end game look like? Is it a spiritual legacy that you're investing or imparting into the next generation? We all know that time is short. We only have a certain amount of time that is allotted to us to prepare for the end. And not to just prepare ourselves, but to prepare those who are around us for our departure. Jesus, he only had three years to prepare. Jesus, he only had three years to prepare for his departure. And out of everything, he could have left the disciples, right? He owned it all. Jesus had all power, authority. He owned it all. He didn't leave the riches of the world to his disciples, and he could have. What did he leave? He left the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for his disciples. 
See, your children are your disciples. And far greater than the legacy of wealth is the legacy of faith. And as the church, we have to focus on the legacy of faith that we are imparting into the next generation. Paul said to 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verse 6. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also all of those who have loved his appearing time of my departure is at hand. Our departure is near. What is the legacy that we are placing inside the next generation? This passage in Joshua, the children of Israel had just wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Moses had just died and they are camping at the Jordan River, which is at flood stage, and they have to cross the Jordan and are about to start a massive war campaign in the promised land. There's a lot that is going on right now. When the Jordan is at flood stage, if you've been into Israel with us, you've seen the Jordan Valley. It's not just a small little river that it would cross, but the Jordan River at flood stage would overflow the banks, and then it would flood the whole valley, which is a very vast area. And so you have all of the tribe of Israel on one side of the Jordan, and God is saying that the waters are going to part, and when they part, and you get everyone over to the other side, go gather some stones to build an altar, right? Let me tell you what my thought process is with God at this point. God, you just had me wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. You could have said at any moment in those 40 years, to build an altar. Why right now in the midst of the crossing of the Jordan? God, I had plenty of time then to build an altar, but right now it's not really convenient to build legacy. Right now it's not really convenient to build an altar. Right now it's not really convenient, convenient to build a memorial. And like retirement, the hardest time to start is the present time. Right, when you're trying to invest into retirement, trying to save up for retirement, it's always a good thought, but when is the hardest time to do it? Right here in the present, to actually set aside money for that. But if we want to reap the beauty of compound interest, now is the best time, right? So why legacy? Legacy stands as a perpetual reminder to ourselves and to those around us of God's great hand. This is what... God was saying to Joshua in verse 6, he said that this may be a sign among you, right? To Joshua's generation, when your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean? See, it not only was supposed to be a sign or a memorial to the children, but Joshua's generation needed a reminder as well. How easy it is for us to forget what God has done for us. Amen? How easy it is to forget what God has done. We often have short-term memory 
with what God has done for us. Israel, upon exiting Egypt, saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Yet they get to the promised land, and this wasn't the 40-year span. This was a pretty quick span that they went from Egypt to Israel. And as they're getting ready to enter into Israel at this point, they say, "Uh uh-uh, there's giants in the land. We can't do that. And I'm thinking, God's thinking probably, you weren't able to leave Egypt either, but you did, right? You weren't able to successfully get out of the greatest and probably the largest empire at the time. There's no way you could have in and of yourselves get out of the land of Egypt and take all of the spoil with you, but you did. And for now, for some reason, you're saying there is no way that you can enter into the promised land, that you're not able. We have short-term memory regarding the promises of God. See, legacy helps remind us of God's continued faithfulness, right? Legacy helps remind us when we build altars and legacy in the moment, it's not just for those who are coming, but it's for ourselves that God has been faithful to us. And what he has done then, he will be sure to do now. But God tells Joshua, it's not only just for yourselves, but it's for the children when the children would ask, what is this, why is this Here, Joshua would say, it is a sign of God's great hand. And I could see Joshua calling in his children and his his grandchildren and great-grandchildren and say, hey, let me tell you about a time when God showed up. Let me tell you about a time when God intervened. This is what legacy is about. This is what altars and memorials are about. Let me bring it in so I can tell you about a time where God showed up. See, legacy is us creating signposts throughout life. And I I love history and reading signposts at historical sites are never a a chore for me. I I love hearing how life was lived and how battles were fought and how fate was sealed. I love reading testimonies of how God showed up for his children in situations because it brings a remembrance that, hey, what he did for them, he can do for me, right? Because a testimony is more than a testimony, I said a testimony is more than a testimony. A testimony is an indicator, an indicator of God's character and how he changes, not meaning if he showed up and did it for them, then by nature of his character, he will do it for me as well. And so as you have all of these leaders assembling this pile of rocks, they were telling their generation and the generation that was to come that this is so much more than a pile of rocks. This is the legacy of what God has done and where God has showed up in our lives. This is the legacy of God's faithfulness. It's a legacy of faithfulness. So our legacy serves as signposts, but it also it serves as a compass. When you build a legacy, you're creating a compass for those who follow you. You're saying to them that this is the way. This is the way, so walk in it because sometimes we might not know which way to go but we just need to be able to turn to the word we need to be able to turn to the legacy and although we might not know the direction we'll know the how how do we walk through these seasons even though we might be directionally challenged and say God I'm not sure where you're leading me I just know how to go through the valley I just know how to go through the the mountain it's not necessarily a directional compass at times it's a behavioral compass it's a faith compass for us to help take us through 
these situations and circumstances. See, legacy, it trains us to have godly inputs into our lives. And if we have godly inputs, we can't but help have godly outputs. See, everyone here wants children who love and serve the Lord, but what are we putting into them? What are we inputting into their lives? Are we inputting into our children the priorities of the world or the priorities of the kingdom? Are we inputting into our children the priorities of the kingdom and when we get to the end of our life, it should be no surprise that if we've input the priorities of the kingdom that their priorities will be that of the kingdom. But for some reason, we see it far too often that parents who are in the kingdom input into their children the priorities of the world. And then when they get to the end of their life, they wonder, well, why are my children's priorities not the priorities of the kingdom? They're the priorities of the world. Because we haven't been inputting the priorities of the kingdom into them all along. See, this teaches us, legacy teaches us what we input into our children is vital. What we input into the next generation is vital. We can't question the output if we never question the input. We've got to look at the input and make sure that we're putting into our children how to read the Word of God, how to pray, how to stay grafted in to the Lord's body, that we're teaching a generation what it means to consecrate and to dedicate themselves to the things of the Lord, to the kingdom. Amen? The disciples, they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Our children, those who are around us, they are our disciples. And so legacy teaches us to input the priorities of the kingdom into our children. What is legacy? See, legacy isn't just what we leave behind. It's what we place inside the next generation. What can you place in the next generation? What spiritual disciplines can you place? What can you help build into this next generation? Because we're, we're all building something. We're all building something into those that follow us. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and the greatest legacy that we can build for our family is an altar, but not just our own spiritual altar. We have to help our children and help this next generation build their own altar. The world teaches us to be concerned with our altar, with our memorial, with our legacy, the things that would ascribe glory and honor to ourselves, right? That's what the world teaches us. But there comes a point where I've got to help others build their altar as well. I've got to look to those who are around me and help invest and help build their altar. And helping build their altar, my altar will be built. Watch this. That the Apostle Paul, he wasn't remembered for the great church that he pastored. He wasn't remembered for the great church that he built. The Apostle's legacy was that he helped build churches in Rome. The Apostle Paul's legacy was that he helped build a church in Corinth, and Galatia, and Ephesus, and Philippi, and Colossae, 
in Thessaloniki, he helped build people like Timothy and Titus and Philemon. What was he doing? He was helping churches craft their legacy. He was helping people craft their legacy. And in his helping of others craft and build a legacy, his legacy was built. Why? Because our greatest work is not what we do for ourselves. It's what we do for those who are around us. That is our greatest work and our greatest legacy is when we invest ourselves into those who are around us. So who are you helping build? Matthew six nineteen says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves, they don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, godly legacy is eternal. It's not temporal. And if we want a godly legacy, we must labor in the here and now, but not for the here and now. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If we want a godly legacy, we've got to labor in the moment, but not for the moment. Right? We labor right here, we labor right now, but we're not laboring for right here and for right now. We know that our labor is for something that is coming. Romans would say it's for a coming weight of glory beyond of all comparison. We're laboring for right now, not for the beauty and the benefit of right now, but we're laboring for tomorrow. We're laboring for eternity. We're laboring for the up and the coming and the next generation. And as we labor, you can be sure that legacy will be sure to stretch us. Joshua 4 verse 2 says, Take 12 men from the people, each man from a tribe, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. When did God command Joshua to build this altar? While they are crossing and they get to the other side. In the midst of the crossing, after having 40 years to build an altar, God says, now is the time. How many love when God calls an audible? God's audibles are typically chaotic because they don't flow within the agenda of our days. They don't flow within our calendar planners. They don't flow within what we want and how we want things to go. And so in the midst of this great crossing, God calls an audible and says, build. Watch this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way you shall teach them when you lie down you shall teach them to your children when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets for your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the doorpost of your gates how does he say that we should teach legacy? He says that we should teach it 
with diligence, that it should be on our hearts and in our mouths when we sit, when we walk, when we lie, when we rise. We bind them on our hand. We put them in front of our eyes. We put them on our, our doorposts. We put them on our gateposts. Basically, God is saying, you shall meditate on this law. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but on this book you shall meditate both day and night. It is a continual building, not something that we ever escape from. What did Paul say? That we should pray without ceasing. It's a continual conversation, a continual investment, a continual building of the legacy that we are trying to craft for this next generation. Isn't it insane that God in the midst of chaos would say, craft legacy? What do you think is on the mind of these men? What do you think of this, is on the mind of these men at this, this point? They're crossing the Jordan, and they're going into a foreign land, one in which they are told that there will be many battles to come. You know what's on their mind? War, right? War is on their mind. We've got to protect this house. We've got to protect our families. We've got to protect our livestock. They're not thinking about building altars. They're not thinking about building memorials. They're not thinking about crafting and creating legacy. These men are in survival mode, but God doesn't grow our faith in the midst of grassy meadows with a beautiful sunset, right? God grows our faith when we're holding on to the edge of a hurricane, holding on to the edge of a cliff in the midst of the hurricane, right? That's when God builds our faith. And as we're holding on to the edge of the cliff in the midst of a hurricane, he says, hey, go gather some stones. But God, I'm in survival mode. Don't you see my situation? Don't you see my predicament? Don't you see what's going on around me? Yeah, I do. Now go gather some stones. And out of those stones, build an altar. Build a legacy for yourselves and for this next generation. And by the way, don't grab them from the river's bank. Where are you going? Going to the middle of the river. I need a couple of guys to help me real quick. Mr. Gino, Brent, you got some muscles. All right. A couple of these young guys over here. These last four on the row. Y'all come right here. Y'all last four right there. Mr. Brewer, Mr. Buena Vista. Y'all come on, come on, come on, come on. All four of y'all. Yes, you. Let's go. Come on. Man. So where does he tell them to get the rocks from? Follow me. From the middle of the river. I get this is awkward. I'm not on the platform. I'm not where the altar should be, but this is kind of like crafting it. Hey, where are y'all going? No. Wait. We've got to craft legacy. And he says, get the rocks and carry them with you from the midst of the river to the place where you lodge tonight. Now, these stones that they were building probably weren't small stones, right? They were probably weighty stones. And legacy isn't typically a small and insignificant thing. It's probably, it's probably a weighty thing that we carry throughout life and throughout our, 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 our seasons of life. It's not something that we can easily set down or easily let go because when the tough gets hard, or I mean, when the going gets hard, right, it, it, it's tough to live a godly life. Y'all grab these rocks real quick. He says, grab them from the midst of the river. Twelve stones, one representing each tribe of Israel, and get them from where 
the priests they were standing, where they were firmly standing. He says, as you get them, as you get them, bring them to the place where you are going to lodge tonight. And at that place, you're going to build an altar. See, legacy is we go through the journey. These aren't light rocks, they're heavy rocks. Legacy requires responsibilities. It requires us the, the mindset that we are willing to carry the weight of the legacy with us. And we're not just gonna lay it down because it's easy to lay it down at certain times, right? It's easy to lay, this is getting real heavy for y'all, isn't it? It's easy to lay it down when situations get tough, but no, legacy, it goes along the journey and it's not always easy to live for God. It's not always easy to, to live with integrity, but integrity is legacy. It's not always easy to live with grace and grace gets heavy when we have to give grace to those who are around us who've hurt us, but it's legacy, it's weighty, and we gotta carry it along the journey with us. We can't, we can't check our stone, we can't check our faith, we can't check our legacy in the midst of storms and life. We can't check our faith when it's just convenient and pick it back up because we're really checking our legacy at that point because things have gotten tough in life. So we take our legacy with us from the midst of the river. And then when we get to the place where we lodge tonight, it is going to be a continual sign, a continual piece of of legacy, a memorial for all of the generations that are to come. See, legacy is heavy. Legacy is weighty. Thank you, guys. Legacy is something that we carry along with us for the journey. We cannot be situational Christians. We cannot be seasonal Christians. We cannot be, well, when the storms aren't present, I'm a Christian. But in the absence of a storm, no, I've got to be willing to go to the middle of the river and carry the legacy with me up a riverbed, right? Through all the other rocks, through all the other muck, through all the other trials and circumstances, I've got to be willing to carry legacy with me. This wasn't an easy time to build legacy, but it was the right time. Didn't wait till the time was right, the temperature was right, the climate was right. Legacy is for the here, for the now, for the future. Legacy teaches us how to respond in every situation. It's all encompassing. It says, take 12 men. And they were found in the midst of the river. Why? Because stones that are in the midst of the river are typically larger stones. These are the stones that aren't quickly or easily moved. These stones are, if you've ever went to a riverbed or a creek in the mountains, these stones are typically slippery. And legacy isn't something that is quick and easily grasped, right? It's not easy to create. It's not quick to create. Godly legacy takes time and it takes a lot of work. But not only are the stones in the middle of the river larger, the stones in the middle of the river, they're typically smoother as well. Stones on the riverbank, they're typically rough and jagged. But you can't build an altar with rough and jagged stones. They won't balance, right? They won't sit one on top of the other. To build legacy, they had to be smoothed out. Stones on the bank of the river that are typically rough and jagged make for poor altars. Stones in the midst of the river were smooth. But the stones weren't smoothed out because of the river itself. I'm not a geologist, so I did a little research just 
Googled? Why are stones in the river smooth? You wanna know why? The more silt, the more sediment that a river carries, the smoother the rocks will be. Basically, stones become smooth because as the water rushes by the stone, it carries grit, carries other rocks, it carries other hardened objects that constantly pound upon the rock, refining, eroding, creating a smoother rock. So goes life, that as our lives are in the midst of the river, and the trials of life, they come. The storms of life, they hit. The rocks that beat us up, the grit, the grind, when the fire is turned up, you know what it's doing? refining us, eroding us into a smoother rock that we can build a legacy with. A lasting legacy that will stand. See, legacy is both defined and refined in the midst of the trials of our lives. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect, complete, refined. You know what it sounds like? Legacy. Legacy which is forged in the furnace of affliction. It's forged in the hard places. It's forged in the midst of the river. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's forged in the midst of the valley. If you would go ahead and stand with me. Legacy is not forged in the convenience time. It's forged in the tough times. And it starts with us choosing to be godly in the midst of our trials. Making the godly choice today. For us to choose to create, to live, and to leave legacy. It all starts with the small choices today. So what legacy are you leaving? Maybe take out your phone, write it down. Encourage you to have this conversation with your family this week. What legacy are we leaving? What does your end game look like? Jesus left the Holy Spirit. What are you leaving? What's your focus? What's your primary focus right now? What are you leaving to this next generation? Are you making the proper investment today to pay off for eternal reward? Or are you pandering to the here and now in hopes of an eternal reward? That's not the right way. Are you teaching your children, your posterity, how to lead, live for the next, or teaching them how to live for eternity? How are you imparting legacy? Does your response to the trials and the fires of life impart what you want? Is your response indicative of what you want their response to be? Are you taking from the easy of areas of life, only serving and creating when it's easy? Are you going into the midst of the river when it's difficult and tough? Are you building legacy there? That's where the sturdy, weighty rocks come from. All the other stuff on the side is light stuff. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today, the first step in creating godly legacy is surrendering your life to the Lord. And so if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, you say, Pastor, I'm here and I need to 
dedicate, surrender, give myself to Him. I want you to just slip up your hand wherever you're seated at this morning. Slip up your hand. God's here for you. This is step one in crafting and creating godly legacy. Amen. If you're online, I want you to note it in the chat as well. One of our team members will be there with you to pray with you. Our altar team, if you would come to the front. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All of our altar team, our pastors, come on down. If you raised your hand this morning and you need to start with surrendering your life to the Lord, rededicating your life to the Lord, I want you to come down to the front. But also, if you're here this morning, you say, hey, I need prayer. Because in looking at my life, what I'm doing now is not what I want to leave. The way I'm living now is not what I want to leave to my kids. It's not what I want to leave to my grandkids. It's not what I want to leave to those around me. And I need prayer and helping create and craft a godly legacy. If that's you, I want you to get out from where you're seated and come down to the front. Worship team is going to lead us in prayer. And we want to pray with you about crafting a legacy that matters.